Isaiah 54 this morning, and um, if you would, please stand out of respect to the Word of God. We're just going to read three or four verses, and then we're going to look back in Isaiah 53, but had this on my heart all week, and tried to get away from it, and Brother Mark come in this morning, to, and I told him I'd, I'd gone through four different, I had four different messages, and this is, uh, the Lord wouldn't let me get away from this, though, this is really on my heart, and so that's why I want to try to preach this morning. Psalms, Isaiah 54 and verse 1 it says, Sing, O barren, thou that did not didst not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, and make desolate the cities to be inhabited. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be confounded. For thou shalt not be put to shame, for thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood anymore. Father, I pray you'd help me this morning. I pray, O oh God, that you'd fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord, and anoint me. And use me, Lord, today to be a mouthpiece, to be a voice. Lord, I know that's all I am. I'm just a voice. And I pray, oh God, that you'd fill me so that I could speak for you in such a way that would have an effect upon the hearts of those that are here. Lord, we know, Lord, that all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. We pray right now that the Word of God would go forth, but not only go forth, but go forth in power. And we pray, oh Lord, if there's one here lost this morning, that, Lord, you'd deal with them. Lord, I pray, oh God, that they would stop this morning, Lord, in this service and they'd think about the condition of their soul, Lord, and their destiny. And I pray, oh God, they'd get saved this morning before it's too late. Lord, we don't know how many more days, Lord, we have on this earth. And we pray that they'd be reminded today of the brevity of life and the certainty of judgment. And I pray now, Lord, that those that are saved, that you'd help us, encourage us, remind us, oh God, what you've done for us and who you are for us, and help our hearts to be full of love and thanksgiving when we leave today. Lord, we love you, and we thank you again for the opportunity to stand and preach, and I pray you'd help me now. Lord, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Isaiah 54 and verse 1. I really just want to look at one word here, <laughs> but don't worry, there's more words we're going to look at than this one, but of course, you know, Isaiah 53 is um, what's been called the classic Old Testament text on the cross, and um, it's amazing to me that hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born, God showed Isaiah how Jesus was going to die. And after the Lord shows Isaiah all this about the way of the cross and how Jesus was going to die and how awful it was going to be, the very first word in chapter 54 and verse 1, I want you to look at it, is sing, sing, sing. And uh, if the Lord will help me this morning, I'm just going to preach on the reason I sing. Now, if you're saved, you've got a song. And uh, now, Brother Will, do you say every saved person has a song, but that don't mean every saved person can sing. But 
David said he put a new song in my heart. And Brother Willard, you say, it's safe as long as it stays in your heart. But some of you don't need to let it get to your mouth. And, uh, but you all that are laughing, just wait till we get to heaven. All of us, like me and Brother David, that have been musically challenged. When we get to heaven and have a glorified voice, we're going to aggravate y'all to death. It's going to be karaoke night every night at my and Brother David's mansion. Amen. But, but, you know, when the Bible speaks about a song, it means more than just the... It's talking about a spirit. It's talking about, it's talking about something on the inside. And, uh, that, and so when the Bible speaks about singing, you know, Psalm said he gives a song in the night. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you wake up singing in the night. What that means is he gives you joy in the night. He gives you uh, uh, a gladness in the night. And, and after writing all uh, 12 of these verses in verse uh, uh, chapter 53, Isaiah said, Sing, O barren. Uh, sing, rejoice, be glad because of what God's done for you. Amen. I want you to know tonight, this morning, that if we look around in the world, there's a lot that we could be mad about. Uh, there's a lot that we could be upset about. Amen. Uh, I mean, listen, there's a lot that we could gripe and grumble and complain about. But as children of God, I believe it does us good if we remind ourselves of why we sing. I, I want to be in a church where we got a song. You understand? I, I, I'm not just talking about singing. I'm talking about where there's a spirit, there's, a, there's an attitude of thanksgiving and gratefulness and, and, and gladness about what the Lord has done for us. I don't care if you've had the worst week of your life this week. I don't care if you've had the worst day of your life today. If you're saved by the grace of God, you've got something to smile about. You've got something to sing about. Uh, you've got something to rejoice about because of what Jesus Christ has done. Amen. Now look back in Isaiah 53. I'm going to talk about the reason we sing, if the Lord will help me. In verse number 1, he says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? <coughs> For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness when, he shall, when we shall see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Now look in verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughters as a sheep before his shears is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. In verse 9, and he made his grave with he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Now the first reason we sing, or uh, the first reason I sing this morning is because of the man who was on the cross. I love that man that died on the cross. Amen. And the reason I sing is because when I could not save myself, when I could not redeem myself, when I could not pardon myself, he willingly did it in my place. Amen. Isaiah paints us a picture of this man on the cross. 
And listen, this morning, if you've never been saved, I want to ask you for a moment uh, to look at that man on the cross. Uh, look at that one who died for you. Uh, look at that one who was willing uh, to become sin for you, the man on the cross. He was a humble man. Verse 2, it says this, He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no comelet, no form or comeliness. So when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Now, if there was ever anyone that had a right to be proud, it was Jesus. But he did not choose that route. Uh, in fact, Philippians 2 8, it says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus did not walk up down the earth beating his chest, amen, and patting himself on the back and, and showing off and showing out and, and telling everybody how, how better he was or how greater he was than everybody else, but yet he walked a humble life. Uh, the Bible said uh, when he come into Jerusalem, he come meek and lowly and riding upon an ass. He was a humble man. I mean, he who hung the heavens in their place, he who formed the earth uh, by the power of the word of his mouth, the Son of God, Almighty God, he was a humble man. Amen. Verse 3, it says, He is despised and rejected of men. He was, a despi- he was despised and rejected of men. Not only was he a humble man, but he was a hated man. Now think about this. Before Jesus come to this earth, he lived in eternity with God the Father. Now let me tell you something. There's some that preach that Jesus, that, that they, don't, they don't believe in the eternality of the Son of God. I don't believe in that. I believe that before the fact he was there from the beginning and before the beginning, he always was, he always is, and he always shall be. I believe that in the beginning was the word. He did not become, uh, he did not, he, he's always been. But we do know this, that in order for him to become a man, in order for him to come to this earth, he had to leave some things behind in heaven. He had to lay some things down. Now follow me. Uh, before Jesus came to Bethlehem, before he was born to Mary and Joseph before that day when he was in eternity past all the angels of heaven praised him all the chorus of glory worshipped him day and night night and day they flew around the throne crying holy 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 he was the listen to me he was the crown jewel of heaven he was the glorified son of God and they worshipped him and adored him but when he come down to the earth he was hated of men He had never experienced that until he was. They hated him from the very beginning. In fact, Herod tried to kill him before he was ever born. He had to run to Egypt with his mother and father for for a span of two years to protect him so he would not die. 
Uh, even when he performed his first miracles and he did his first great deeds, uh, they all, they questioned him. They criticized him. They laughed at him. They accused him of being an illegitimate son. Uh, they called him all, kind, uh, all types of evil and hurtful things. They tried to uh, kill him uh, on many occasions. They, they laughed him to scorn. They mocked him. Uh, they, under, they manipulated him. They tried to misinterpret him and misrepresent him. They falsely accused him. He was a hated man. He was a hated man. John 7 and 7, the world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify it that the works thereof are evil. You know why they hated Jesus? It wasn't so much of what he'd done, it was what he said. And what did he say? He said the truth. We're not in it. We're not. We're in a world that hates truth. Nobody wants the truth anymore. We don't want another truth. We'd rather. We everybody wants to hear what they want to hear, right? And so they, if they want to hear this, they listen to that channel, that news. If they want to hear that, they listen to that news. If they want to, they just find what they want to hear. But you know what Jesus told men? He didn't tell men what they wanted to hear. He told them what they needed to hear. He didn't tell them what they wanted. He didn't tell them what pleased them and what satisfied them. But he told them the cold, honest truth. And they hated him. He was despised. And rejected. He was a hated man. Think about that. And the Bible says that he was a man of sorrow. Verse number three. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was a hurt man. A hurt man. You know what that word acquainted means? It means to be familiar with. He hurt. He hurt I believe he hurt every day. Can you imagine being God in the flesh? I'll walk on this earth. And he heard, not only did he hear everything everybody said, but he knew everything that everybody thought. You'd be hurt too if you had to. I know I would be. Every time I preach, I'd be hurt. (laughs) Amen. But ain't you glad we're doing it? But we can't know what everybody's thinking. Amen. But Jesus, think about it. Everywhere he went, he knew the hearts of men. And they'd look at him and smile and wave. And he knew in their heart they were thinking evil things towards him. I'm talking about he was hurt. I'm not just speaking about on the cross. I'm talking about every day that he lived on this earth, on this sin-cursed earth. He was hurt every day. He knew and he could see and he could hear that man hated him. You ever go somewhere where you know you're not wanted or welcome? You know how awkward that is? Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean when you know that there's somebody. I mean, that's why when I go to Walmart, I go undercover. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, there's certain people I can't go to Walmart without running into. I mean, it's like every time. So I've got where I go even late at night, but now they've limited the hours. Used to back in the good old. Y'all remember way back yonder in the old world? We lived in the old world. Remember the old world? In the, in the old world. Remember the good old days when you go to Walmart any time of night? But 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 Jesus, he was hurt. He was familiar with sorrow, and he was familiar with grief. It grieved him when he seen the way people did. He grieved him. Uh, listen, uh, when he heard and saw what they said, 
it grieved him. It, it, it caused him pain. And, and I'm telling you this morning, uh, you and I should give him uh, thanksgiving and praise because he was willing to be hurt for us. He was a holy man. In verse 7 it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was a holy man. So Hebrews 7.26, For such a high priest became us who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. He was a holy man. I mean, he was a righteous man. He never thought an idle thought. He never said an evil word. He never committed an unholy act. I mean, he was holy. He was, he was without sin. He was tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. Even Pilate, his accuser, stood before him and said, I find no fault in this man. The Roman soldier uh, who crucified him said, Surely this was the Son of God. I mean, even the devils knew he was holy. Even the devils knew uh, that he was who he said he was. I mean, listen, he was a holy man. Holy man. The man on the cross. But for a moment, I want to talk about the misery of the cross. Now, when we speak about the cross and the misery, oftentimes we talk about the physical side of it. And it was bad. The worst way a person could die was on the cross. And, 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 and listen to this. The, the whole purpose of the cross was not to kill people, but it was to make, it was to get them to the point of death and keep them there for the longest possible time. I mean, listen, the cross, it was something that come from the evil, depraved hearts of, Rome, of the Romans, and they, they contrived it, they conceived it uh, to cause man uh, uh, to hurt in such a way that he would want death, that he would desire death. Uh, and listen, uh, Jesus, though, he, he did not just suffer physically, he suffered in his soul. Think about the misery of his betrayal. It said in verse 3 that he, he, is it, we hid, as it were, our faces from him. That's exactly what happened. Those men that he invested three and a half years of his life in, those men that he had spent time with, he had helped them, he had fed them, he had protected them, he had loved them. Amen. Yeah. Those, those 11, those apostles, those 12 that he had spent those three and a half years teaching and training, he had taken them to places they had never been. He had given them the word of God. But yet in his dying hour, in his dying moments, they hid their faces from him. They did not identify with him. They would not, uh, they would not associate with him. Right. Oh, and listen, don't you know? Uh, don't you know it was a miserable thing? And when Jesus was betrayed by his own. That's right. Amen. Judas, the one he loved. He loved Judas. That's what the Bible said. He loved him. When Judas come to betray Jesus, Jesus said, friend. He called him his friend. And yet that one who he called his friend betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. I mean, that was all he meant to him was just a little bit of silver. He was betrayed. He, he said they hid our face. We hid, as, as it were, our faces from him. In verse 3, it says we esteemed him not. Uh, that means uh, uh, to esteem someone means to value them, to honor them, uh, to recognize their worth. 
to recognize their value as an individual and as a person. What that means is uh, that those people on earth, uh, they did not value Jesus. They did not, uh, they did not recognize his worth and his value. Misery and his betrayal. Verse number four, he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Misery and his burden. I remember being lost. I hope you do too. But do you remember the burden of sin? The weight of sin? That, that cloud of judgment that hung over your life? It was heavy. But think about this. He carried the sins of the whole world. You want to talk about a heavy burden? You want to talk about a heavy cross? We cannot bear our own sorrows and griefs. Our, in fact, our world's gone crazy because people, they're not able to deal with their sorrow and their grief. They want to numb their mind and silence their conscience uh, with drugs and with, with, with alcohol and with, with all this thing. All that is is trying to get away uh, from sorrow and grief. In fact, people spend the most of their life trying to avoid sorrow and grief. People work day and night to avoid sorrow and grief. People, people go to great ends to avoid sorrow and grief. We do our best to avoid sorrow and grief, but instead of running from sorrow and grief, uh, Jesus ran to sorrow and grief, and instead of trying to get away from it, he took it upon his shoulders. Imagine the love of sin multiplied times every person who ever lived. Misery and his burden. It said in verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. I'm talking about the burden that Jesus carried on the cross. I mean, listen, I'm thankful. I'm grateful. I'm glad that he did it, but it still breaks my heart. You say, well, I wasn't there. I didn't have, oh, you, we all had something to do with the crucifixion of Jesus. We all, we all, I, I read this painter had uh, 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 painted a picture. They, they, they commissioned him, you know, back in the good old days, you know. They, they, they would commission these, uh, uh, these uh, uh, artists and they'd give them money to paint. And the, and the job was to paint a picture of the cross. And uh, this man, uh, he painted uh, the, this picture and they had this reveal. And all these people come and they looked at it. And this one person in particular was looking at it. And the artist was standing right here and he was looking over the picture and there was the three crosses right here is a side shot and there was a crowd out here and the man and the man that was sitting there looking at the picture he looked at the artist and he said I believe you've made a mistake he said what do you mean and all the people in the crowd had on the same clothes and the same uh attire and they all looked the same but there was this one man in that crowd that had on modern in that day dress and and he said, you've messed up. He said, everybody's got on the same. Everybody looked, but there. he said, you messed up. He said, who is that one man? And he said, that's me. Amen. He said, that's me. Yeah. And oh, listen to me. I may, not have, I may not have picked up a whip and, 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 and smote his back. I, I, 
may not have spit on him. I, I may not have reached up with my hands and pulled that beard out of his head, uh, out of his face. I may not have laid that crown of thorns on his brow and smote it with a reed. I may not have opened my palm and smote him in his face and said, who did that? I may not have been in that crowd uh, that said, crucify him. Uh, give us Barabbas. Uh, maybe I wasn't there. Uh, Mark walking by Calvary, uh, shoot, uh, 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 sticking out my tongue and, and laughing at him. Uh, maybe I wasn't there uh, saying he saved others, uh, but himself he cannot save. But I want you to know who was there and what was there. My sins. Every one of them was there. Verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes. We are healed. Misery in his body. Wounded. Bruised. Striped. I could go on about this, but I'm not because you're well aware of the physical torment Jesus endured. I mean, most men, they said, did not survive the cat of nine tails. Most of them, one quote says, Cicero said this, he said, no one walked away from the whipping post, they were carried away. And think about this, they took his, I mean, the, the physical pain, they, they, they would lay him over, they would literally lay him over that, that, that post and would tie their hands to their feet and would take that cat of nine tails. I mean, listen, that, and, and they would strike their back and peel the flesh off. And he sat there and endured that for you and me. Yeah. Right. And, and, and not one stripe, not two, but 39 lashes upon his back. Yeah. Amen. 39 lashes upon his back. Uh, and not one crime to be committed. Uh, not, and yet, listen, he opened not his mouth. He did not say a word because he was there on a mission. He was there uh, for a reason. He was there for us. That's why he was there. Amen. They nailed him that cross, dropped him in the ground. Every breath he took, he had to fight for it. Drowning in his own blood and his own fluid in his lungs, suffocating. Misery in his body. We've all hurt at some point in time, but none have hurt as like he hurt that day. And mocked him, misery in his bosom. It said in verse 11, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. The soul suffering of Jesus was greater than the physical suffering. Because the Bible says he was made sin for us. I'm talking about what went on on the inside, what happened in his heart. Uh, uh, and you know when they come to him and, and, and they were going to break his legs because uh, uh, to, to speed up the process of dying uh, and they found that he was all, and by the way that was prophecy being fulfilled because the Bible said not one bone would be broken and, 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 and they found him dead and they took that spear and they run it into his side and the Bible said out came blood and water you know what had happened he had bled all of his blood his heart ruptured inside of him hey. Jesus
Jesus died with a broken heart. His heart literally exploded in his chest as he became sin for us. And yet you, you and I take it so lightly. And so, uh, oh, you know, we, we sing these songs like, uh, you know, about the cross. And when I survey the cross and we just go through it and just read through the words and sing through the song and people sing about it and we just take it. But listen to me. He suffered in his soul on the inside. Verse 4, we see the mercy of the cross. He was, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. In verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The mercy of the cross is this, that Jesus did it not for himself but for others. And by the way, he did it for people he did not, had, had, that had not even been born. We, none of us were alive. That's right. Somebody was close, but you weren't there. Like a generation away. I'm just kidding. But he said it was not, he, he didn't bear his sorrow. He didn't bear his grief. He didn't bear his chest. It wasn't his iniquity. It wasn't his chest. It was ours he carried. Amen. The mercy of the cross is this. That it should have been you and it should have been me. We see somebody risking the life, their life for the elderly or the young. And we celebrate them, and we should. We'll have parades to honor heroes. Y'all remember 9-11, those brave firemen that went into, I, 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 I mean, that's been 21 years, and it still seems like yesterday, the, the bravery and the courage, and those men are still being celebrated today and honored and revered. And, and we see there's something about that that touched their heart. We see someone who'll, 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 who'll jeopardize their life for a child or, or for someone else. But I want you to know that Jesus, he walked, he walked through uh, the wine press of the wrath of God to rescue us. He walked and, and, and he, he did it for us. The mercy of the cross. The mercy of the cross is this. We deserve to be held. We were the offenders. We were the sinners. We were the transgressors. It was his law that we had broken. It was his way that we had gone astray from. It was his word that we had rejected. But yet in mercy and love, he came and became a sacrifice for us. Amen. Amen. He died for the wounded. He said, our griefs and sorrows. One man said this, Jesus died for a bunch of sick and wounded sheep. <laughs> we had some. we got, hey, listen, from the moment we were born, we had something wrong with us. You ever, you know, with kids, you know how honest they are? Georgia, she's the, she's too honest to be and, and you try to teach them when you get out in public. We were somewhere the other day, and I can't remember where we was. I guess I've tried to forget it, but somebody, somebody come in that, that it was eating. 
I know you was there if we was eating, but but this person come in and she said, something's wrong with them. And I said, you shut your mouth. You know. She's just, she, I said, don't stare. She said, something's wrong. And I thought about this. Something's wrong with all of us. That's right. Something was wrong with all of us. We were born broken. You understand? We were born with something wrong. We are a sin, a nature in our heart. We were fallen, broken, and yet Jesus died for the wounded. He died for the wicked. He said, our transgressions and iniquities. You say, you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand what I've said. You don't know I've been so evil. I've committed this. I've committed that. That's who he died for, the wicked. Amen. He died for sinners. Just like me, Sinners. Liars and thieves and adulterers and, and murderers and, and people like rebellious and proud and, and covet all. He died for us. He died for the wayward. Verse 6, he said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. He died for the wayward. He said we had gone astray. Hopelessly lost. That's what we were. Gone astray. Adam, when he sinned in the garden, him and Eve, when they sinned, they went astray. And every generation since has gone further and further astray. People say, well, I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to find, you know, they, they, they talk like, you know, about finding God and we're going, I'm going to find God. When, but let me tell you something. You can, if you're lost, you can't find God on your own. You're too far astray. You've gone too far astray. You can't find your way on your own. And that's why Jesus, the good shepherd, he doesn't ask us to find our way to him, but he finds his way to us. Amen. Amen. And listen, that's exactly what happened. And now I got saved. He found me where I was. And he rescued me. And, and listen, that's what he did on the cross. He, he died for the wayward. He said, Brother Martin, I, I've just gone so far. Just gone so far. I don't know if I can ever be found. Listen to me. The fact you're here this morning is proof that God ain't give up on you. That's right. People, they talk about that. What if I, you know, I can't be saved. The fact that you want to be saved. It's proof that you can be saved. That reprobate, that person, they have no interest in being saved. They, 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 they've seared their conscience with a hot iron. They're, they are hardened to the voice of God. They, they have turned the deaf and ear uh, to the place where they have no interest, no desire, no want to. But the fact you're here, the fact you're under uh, the sound of the gospel this morning is proof the good shepherd has not given up on you. Listen, he's found many a sheep that have gone well, far astray. <laughs> Amen. He's gone far away and found some lost sheep that were on the edge of destruction. And listen, this morning, he's still doing that today. He's still seeking and searching and looking for people who need to be saved. I'm done. Verse 10. We sing. I sing. The reason we sing because of the man on that cross. The reason we sing is because of the misery of that cross. 
The reason we sing is because of the mercy of the cross. But verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord. I'll never be able to understand this. Never. It's beyond us. It's beyond our human ability to comprehend how it pleased the Lord to bruise him. A father, a father's natural inclination is to, to protect their son. To, you know, my kids, I, I've not done a good job. I've tried, though, to protect them from hurt, to keep them from being, uh, you know, injured. That's, that's what we do. That's what we work. That's what we think about. That's what we wake up in the middle of the night and, and, and think about is, is our family, our children. But yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Think about that. The merits of the cross. Listen. There was a transaction taking place that day at the cross. Amen. It was not between man and Jesus. It was between Jesus and God the Father on behalf of mankind. Transaction took place. A deal, I mean, listen, a payment was made. On the cross, he was dying not just for us, but he was dying as us. The second Adam is what the Bible speaks of. He was the second Adam. And he took all the sin. He represented the first Adam. The first Adam was the figurehead, the representative man for all the human race. And on the cross, that second Adam, Jesus Christ, nailed to the cross, Jesus Christ was paying our sin debt. And he was suffering for our sin. And Jesus paid that debt. And on that cross, God recognized that payment. And not only did God recognize that payment, but God receive that payment because he said in verse number 11 and shall be satisfied right. satisfied oh listen this morning there's no merit we can do to earn God's favor so I, I read a statistic today and it said I believe it was 57 or six, maybe it's 67% of church-going people in America believe that their works are contribute, is a contributing factor to their being saved. That's sad. They think their merits. But I want you to know there's only one merit that we can claim. There's only one thing, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. The merits of the cross, the, 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 the recognition of the cross, Jesus Christ on the cross became. Now listen, in regards to the Lord, there's merit. It said it pleased the Lord. 
It pleased the Lord. Oh, listen, man had tried for 4,000 years to please the Lord, but man had failed to please the Lord. Because even our righteousness is filthy rags and everything we touch, we ruin everything. Everything man comes in contact with, he ruins it. I mean, he does. Because we're a ruined people. But the Lord was pleased with what the Savior did. God, Jehovah, was pleased with the sacrifice of His Son on that cross. It satisfied Him. It pleased Him. He see, looked at that and He said, that's it. That's enough. Amen. The merits of the cross in regards to the Lord. In verse 10 it says, Now shalt make His soul an offering for sin. In regards to the law, sin demanded an the law demanded an offering for sin, and they brought offerings, but they were insufficient. The offerings of the Old Testament were not enough. All they did was push that sin ahead to another to a, for another year and rolled it forward and rolled it forward. They covered sin, but they couldn't do away with sin. But on the cross, he said, Thou hast made him an offering for sin. Now in the Old Testament, that sin offering, uh, was it was burned up on the brazen altar. It was consumed by the fire. Uh, and they would take the ashes of that offering and they would go without the camp. Uh, and they would go uh, to a place they said where uh, uh, a, a place where nobody knew, and they would pour out them ashes, and they'd come back, and that was a symbol or type of the cross, and that's what Jesus did on the cross. He became sin for us, and he burned under the wrath of God. And thank God, he took our sin and he took it outside the camp and did away with it. Amen. According, listen, the law of God is absolute. The law of God is, uh, it, it, there's no, it's absolute. And God's law said there must be a sacrifice. God's law said their blood must be shed. But Jesus fulfilled the law in becoming our sacrifice. In verse 11, in, in regards to the lost, there's merit. He shall see the trailer, so by his knowledge shall my right... Righteous servant, justify many. Justify. That word justify there means to cleanse or make pure. <clears throat> There's only two types of people in here right now. And I'm done. My Bible's closed. So y'all take a deep breath, Brother Hobbs. We're, we're about done. Um, Drew, there's two types of people in here. There's justified and there's condemned. That's it. Justified, condemned. That's it. You're only in one of two groups. And if you're justified this morning, it's not because of that baptistry. It, it, it ain't because of this offering box. It ain't because you're in that pew. If you're justified, it's because of the merit of the cross. And if you're condemned this morning, listen to me, you're condemned the reason you're condemned this morning, it's not your lying, stealing, cussing, blaspheming, all that. That's not it. You're condemned because you've not believed on the Son of God. That's what the Bible says. I know my granny might not have said that, but that's what Jesus said. 
John 3.36 and John 3.18. So, if you're condemned, everybody wants to go to there. Well, yeah, I do this, and I've done that, and I'm this, and I'm that. Hey, that's not the problem. The problem is the cross. Amen. What have you done with the cross? Have you accepted it? Have you believed it? Have you received it? Uh, have you, if you, either you have or you've not. And I'm no better than anybody else. I'm not. I'm worse than most, to be honest. And, and I don't know why God lets me do this. I don't know why he allows me to preach. I don't know why he allows me to stand and, and open my mouth and talk about it. I don't deserve that. But I'll tell you one thing about me is I've trusted in that blood, in that crawl. I've laid it on that altar. And listen, listen, when I die, I'm going to die trusting in that shed blood. Nothing else. Amen. That's it. Justified, condemned. Which side are you on? Amen. 